Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go to the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. Best way to interact there. Let's get into some buy and sell because I don't have anything special I'm drinking tonight. This is uh, this is a traditional. Oh, White Claw. Some wow. good old White Claw. Yeah, <laughs> Look I found at that you, at man. the back of the beer fridge, and I was like, hey, big right. fan of malt liquor. Yeah, we'll go with it. I'm gonna go ahead and mix some little Tito's there with it. To there you go. Just make it at least more professional, right? <laughs> yeah, more gentlemanly. Prof- professional <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> All right, let's do some buy sell. I'm I'm buying. And I'm buying experience, right? And this is an interesting word. And it's actually a word I said, it's kind of a word that I want to talk about a lot this year. And it's definitely has infected me again with a new experience. And that's really a lot of us chase experiences over things, right? That's some group of society. They like to experience something more than they like to actually have ownership or, you know, think about this thing that I want to have. They, they chase the experience of life. And I'm buying then the experience that you find inside of vehicles. Listen, my experience inside of my Wrangler, way different than other vehicles. I love the openness. I love the freedom of it. I love taking the doors to the top. I love hearing the sound of the the net, right? As it blows in the wind. I like feeling everything. When I get in my truck, music off i like the ride i like something about in my truck it's quiet don't do anything it's just quiet and i drive well experience now has gone to a whole new level right you've got infotainment out of your ass you've got chargers that you can put your phone on i get to now experience everything else going on in the world while i drive because Now I get to press that little button. And if I put my hand just right and barely hold the wheel, I can look away and not even think about what's in front of me. And I can let the car just drive me. Would you guys buy? That's a complete different experience than manual, Jeep, wind, everything, right? The music. And then you go to the quietness. And now you go to the, I don't want to even drive. I want to experience watching everything else going on while I'm going to be the one that kills everybody on the freeway. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I'm buying experience and the experience that different cars give you. All right. Well, I don't have a buy and sell today because I thought I'd bring up a topic that I, that I feel needs bringing up after hanging out with some buddies over the weekend. And this has been something I've noticed a couple of times in the last couple of months. What kind of wallet do you carry? (laughs) Like, I find this fascinating. So did you know, I didn't even know what they were called. I just called it a man purse. But did you know that long wallets are making, like, their way in the world no, where guys no, have, man. like, a, nope, nope. they, like, open it up and, oh, it's Louis and, you know, you don't understand. This is Gucci, you know, that kind of. Did you know that was happening? No, man, I, I don't buy those. Mm. Do you have one? <laughs> Dude, no way. Okay. So (laughs) then I'm my wallet has always been the same way for I don't know how long, right? It's two little pieces and then a money clip. Like that's it. Okay. So for those watching on Facebook, here's my move. I just do a money clip. Okay. I have very few cards, you know, driver's license, whatever. But then you have these people that have like the old school leather wallet. Where it's like I George remember those Costanza's. ones that had the the different photos that would unwind yeah, yeah. and you'd have yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Big... <laughs> so, I am fascinated, and, and we're sitting. There's like six of us at this table, and I'm like the only one with a money clip. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So this this guy tells you know, there's a couple younger guys there, and they're like, oh yeah, the new things, this the long wallet. And I mean, dude, it looks like something that's in your girl's purse. And I'm like, come on, dude. So here's the crazy thing. I remember back, you you have to remember this about your dad's generation. 
they would have those leather wallets that seemingly had everything in them. It'd be in their back pocket. Maybe it was a trifold or a bifold, but there was everything in it. Coupons, uh, hard candy, it seemed. I mean, whatever. Like a thousand. What the hell does everybody need to carry all this stuff for? I still, so I've been a money clip guy from the get-go. Okay. I actually was a rubber band guy for a long time where I just, you know, I have a, so for those that don't know, I got an Italian side of my family. They're straight off the boat. Literally my grandparents are straight off the boat. Uh, so, you know, I was kind of one side of my family that all just use rubber bands, you know, and, and it, and you carried cash. So this is the other interesting thing. Most young guys don't carry cash. So what do you need the long wallet for? And you got it on your phone now, which most places you can go in and touch. Yeah. So, dude, I was fascinated by this, where I go, first of all, why would I want to carry anything around? So then some older guys at the table, they got sort of the, a lot of stuff in their wallet, old school. And I go, why would you want that in your back? Why would you want to sit like leaning to one side? And the, 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 the havoc that creates on your back alone, I, I would be uncomfortable. I thought it was the most fascinating thing that I've been like witnessing and, you know, family and friend groups here for a while. And I'm going, why do, why do people roll so deep with the wallet thing? You need a couple cards, you need some cash. And by the way, so then we got in this conversation. So I ask you, do you have a minimum amount of cash that you always carry on you? Um, yeah. Right. But you roll with cash, right? Yeah, I usually always have some cash on me. Yeah. Yeah. I I roll cash. I, I mean, obviously I got my cards to run my business, my personal life, whatever. But here's the other thing they didn't understand. I don't have any of my personal bank cards on me. I don't have a single card on me connected to my business accounts or whatever. So it's either like, you know, my business, you know, we have at at Hyperclean, we have some business cards. I carry uh, those. I'll carry my VR card. I'll carry, you know, two personal credit cards and then cash. But I don't, if you lose your bank card, if people, they steal oh, your so. money. Yeah. If they, if I lose my Amex, they're stealing Amex's money. So I didn't understand. These guys got like their bank. Dude, I haven't carried a bank card in probably 15 years. Debit card? Debit card. No, I have. I haven't. I've, I haven't carried one. I couldn't even tell you where mine is in, at the house. Like, if I needed to somehow use, you know, any of my personal, <laughs> I would be like, I don't even know what the pin number is. I can't pull cash out. I can't do any of that. I just have cash from, you know, when you run your own business, you have cash. <laughs> Cover the IRS. Yeah. Yeah. The IRS. Please don't yeah. listen. So, I just have I'm cash. Just, it just yeah. You know, this I'm, tree. I'm just, this yeah, tree that I have in the backyard, tree. you know, I mean, what so am I supposed to do here? For, for all those people out there, what's with the big wallets? Like, I kind of like that I don't have that much stuff in my pockets. I don't have that much to worry about. I got car keys, a wallet, and a phone. Well, have you gone into, I mean, so my debit card is only on my phone. I don't carry my debit card either. Probably not from the most educated place that you come from. That's why we're yin and yang, but we both meet in the middle somehow. Yeah. Mine, you know, mine, I just got lost, right? Like, yeah, there you go. And I just yeah, never by got the way, another Marty lost, card. I got Marty a company card. What, three days this. later, <laughs> three days later, you go, dude, I misplaced my, my wallet. Find- <laughs> so we had to cancel this card. And then, so, like, I cancel it. And then, like, two then minutes later, yeah. he goes, oh, dude, my wallet was on the workbench. <laughs> I'm like, the card's canceled. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I fun. never. If I lose it like that debit card I lost, I never change it because then you'll have to go back and do all those numbers, everything that's done on the. So you just write it out. Yeah, I have. I've just written it out and now I only have it on my phone and it's been years, years. I've never had an actual card and I'll just touch. That's what if I can't touch it. I hear that. Like, dude, I, I, I was fascinated. I'm like, why said, would right? you, why? Yeah. Why would you want all this stuff? You know, people are like, Oh, I got my health insurance card on me. And, th- and I'm going, 
dude, you do realize that you're going to have to talk to billing after you get in a car wreck. So you can just give them their insurance card. Then like, they're not going to bill you the day you get, you know how the hospital works? Like they're telling me all that, you know, guys are like, Oh, I got my Costco card on me. I'm like, what the, f why would you want to carry that with you? Like it, it was, I'm telling you, dude, I was fascinated in the long wallet. That's what they call it. I'm like, we just called it a man purse. All right. So is it that one that it's, it's also, it's more like a rectangle, like it's square long or, or, okay. So we had, do you remember those? And maybe some of them are still, it's where that you don't fold your money and your money goes in like this. And so it's a, it's a dot, it's a double fold or whatever, but it, it just, that's opens what it up is. This, yeah, that's what okay. it is. But and here's the thing sticks, for those of you truck drivers or country guys, it sticks yeah. up out of your back pocket about a Yeah, but here's the thing. Inches. This doesn't go in your pocket. This uh, doesn't, the new ones are, and again, I'm being told, I don't want to sound like the old guy in the room, but it's like the specific Louis V or Gucci. And, and dude, I'm telling you, couldn't fit it in a pocket. It is the bifold. I mean, it, it does come out like this, but it's like, it's got a zipper on it. I'm like, I wouldn't want to be seen with, I don't care how much that thing costs. And they're like, oh, you don't understand. And, and again, I just go, you're right. I don't understand. Because, by the way, you don't have enough cash in there to even make that thing sweet. So you got less cash in there than the shit costs you. I mean, that's the overall point of having a wallet, right? And a big wallet <laughs> is so you can be like, look at my I'm, cash. Yeah, I'm rolling 3,500 deep. Like, yeah. I, I get it at that point. Like, if you're rolling heavy, I, I don't know. So, yeah, dude, I was – it was – so it's not a buy or sell or right or wrong. I just have always liked the light feel. Let me carry as little as I need to carry to get through my life because I don't want my pockets bulging out or any of that shit. And, uh, yeah, now they're just not even going in the pocket. They're just like, oh, yeah, I just carry this with me when I need it. Bizarre. All right, so if you weren't buying or selling, then I'll steal yours, and I'll come in with a second buy-sell. And that's – I'm selling the, that part of in your DNA as a car guy that you have all these cars. I look over at my wife, and I go, there's two of us driving, and we've got – five cars what in the i know hell i know i know that with being a car guy and having all these damn cars like this is ridiculous what is it with us we gotta have cars and we can't ever right you got an old truck i got an old truck. like i just can't get rid of them i can't do it Dude. so i realized i may have said this on a podcast i got six work vehicles and then i got so i got nine vehicles that I'm responsible for. And it's like, I don't think a week goes by where I don't hear something about what, a, like what we need to do with a car. Like it is just part of my daily, like this needs to do this. I need to go in for an oil change. This is leaking. I need to get this checked out. This light just came on. I got to get it smog checked. I got to, I got to register it, dude. Then we realized on one of my work trucks, the registration hadn't been renewed since September. And I looked at my guy, I go, dude, I handed you the registration. They send you a postcard here. Mm -hmm. I said, you needed to go to the kiosk. He goes, oh yeah, man, I forgot. He goes, I was wondering why cops kept staying behind me for so long. So I go, okay, like man, you got kind of a light Friday. I'm going to need you to go to the kiosk and get it and take a picture of the sticker on the truck, which he did on Friday. But yeah, that was. When you have a lot of the cars, man, it just, it's always something. Yeah, always something. So we got to ask the question then, what officially makes a Nissan guy? I, oh, you you got another Nissan? Because I, I I think I'm officially now, I mean, Titan, I had the the NV2500, and now we're, we're a rogue. So I, I guess I'm officially a Nissan guy, and I don't know what that is. I I'm, do I need certain socks now? Or uh, I mean, I've got the hoodie. Is it the hoodie that makes us a Nissan guy? I don't know. I got to figure out what makes me a Nissan guy and get to it. Yeah. What happened? I mean, what, how did this even happen? You just always, you don't want to try something new. I guess not. Just wow. somehow found the brand. I guess that's what I realized too. <laughs> I was like, not only we got all these cars, I'm like, what the hell? We turned into a Nissan family. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I guess so. I got to find the right kicks or whatever. But so we've all had these. We never like them. We can all put ourselves in this situation. Imagine for yourself that moment where you go, oh, shit. Yeah, there's that oh, shit moment. Never fun. And especially when you're picking up a car. 
is never a good thing when you just make a purchase is having that moment of going, uh-oh, right? So let's go through this because it was an interesting, not only for me being there, looking at the car, taking ownership of the car, my responsibility, what do I look for? What am I making sure? I've been in the industry. I know everything, but what do I do, right? Then you get only the people that you've done business with, whether it's dealerships or your customers. Well, Scott makes a post inside the specialist group. He's got a customer, picks up a Bronco, has some problems with it, takes it immediately to him, right? So let's go over that for a second. Let's have a, a little journey of a conversation, right? Like I'm picking up a new car. If, if you're going to give somebody a, a tip or in a sense, a suggestion, I'm thinking through it and I go, you know, what should I look? I immediately, everybody does a walk around, right? They bring it up yeah. after they've quote unquote, you know, taking it through detail, as they call it, they'll wash it, they'll clean it, they'll make ready. If you're inside the dealership world, it's called a make ready, right? They'll bring it up. You've signed all the papers. Everything's good. You just walk around the vehicle, right? You, they plug in your phone. You get all the stuff. You get your seat stuff, everything ready. But, I mean, is that when I'm supposed to be going through this checklist of, yeah. no, the car's mine, right? Like, there's not really anything you can do at that point, is there? Yeah, so th this is interesting. This is why you know, this is part of the service we provide. Uh, but let's just say if it's an out-of-state vehicle, it would be called a PPI, a pre-purchase inspection, is is something that catches on amongst people buying, you know, let's say valuable used cars. It's something that's just pretty standard, but it really hasn't caught on in, in local buying, right? So um, one of the reasons I say that is when we buy locally, you left your house, to buy a vehicle, you weren't going to reserve the vehicle, then hire somebody to do the inspection or call somebody to do the inspection. You were just going to buy the vehicle that day. And so PPIs are actually something that should be standard. And matter of fact, I think dealerships should probably want them because the liability would then be completely off them. But it's amazing how that hasn't really taken off on a local level. This is where it gets interesting is what do you do? And the first thing that I do is I open up all the door jams and try to find tape lines. Is there any sign of a repaint? Is there any sign? And by the way, this can happen on new or used. I'm going to pull the hood. You know, a lot of people are getting confused when they look under hoods now and they go, well, I can, you know, kind of chip it away with my, you know, with my fingernail. And at this I said, they're not clear coating underneath most, uh, you know, hoods at this point uh, of, of most vehicles. I mean, it's pretty, getting pretty bad uh actually in that sense so that's not always a warning sign it can be on certain cars i get that but just so you know most most under the hood now are not being clear coated i mean ford or chevy doesn't matter dodge doesn't matter so i'm looking for tape lines i'm looking for signs that this car has been damaged i'm looking for tape lines on the inside of the wheel well on the bumpers because, you know, if they spot sanded, somebody got that front corner of the passenger, you know, those types of things. So that's the first thing I'm looking for is body damage. I think when you start talking about looking through engines, if the dealership has has really done their job, which most do on engines, believe it or not, they've either steam cleaned it, power washed it, whatever it is their procedure is there, the likelihood you're going to spot the problem from seeing an oil leak, Marty, you've been around dealerships a long time, is pretty small in that moment, mm -hmm. okay? That's where a pre-purchase inspection, you'd expect the guy to get under the car, flashlight in hand. Are you going to do that? I mean, I, you know, we bought an SUV here last summer. It's 115 degrees out. We end up seeing water spots when I got it into my shop. Bright sun, 115 degrees, those water spots aren't that easy to spot because they were kind of faint you know, whatever, you're just kind of in a bad position. And you probably found yourself in the same position. You can only do as well as the time allows, the area allows. And so again, if you're really worried, you need to tell them to pull that car somewhere where you can go over it, not out in the open. You, you might learn a lot if they start getting weird and go, okay, perfect. I don't want this car. But yeah, if they I, do that, then. I, I, I did. I found myself in a very similar type of situation. And I thought I new right so sort of my thing when i do go buy a, a car is yeah i'd like to have it cleaned 
course, right? Most everybody does, right? Like, but not every dealership is going to clean the car for you. Not everyone does. So yeah. I need it to be clean so that I can go walk around and look. Now, our eyes as detailers and people that are around cars every day and our, our, our eyes just see things that not every other person does. So for me, I look at how well the paint has been cared for. Now, our eyes, right, as you saw, tape lines, things that we can look for. I like to look for those chips or little dings or something like that. Not, not just on the used cars, because even a new car, when I was at a dealership dropping off product and did not see that a salesman had parked a car behind me, I, about a year and a half ago, put it in reverse and hit a brand new car that was trying to go into the detail shop because somebody was in finance and they just bought it. Right. How'd that, that go dealership over? did not fix anything and it did not go onto the Carfax. It kind of got blended a little bit and they kind of made do right because oh, they yeah. know, and which is what they told me, they go, listen, we know that this car is about to go right out on the highway it's about to go get damaged. So really, what does it even matter? Which is wild behavior, right? It is. But that's the scary part about, I think, if I'm going to look for a car and look at it, I, I want to see what that exterior, what yep. maybe if there's any little damage, because it should translate then into that leaky oil. If somebody's got a really great outside, there's a great chance that that oil's in the engine. If yep. that outside has a lot of wear and tear and damage, I got a greater chance of maybe they didn't do so good on the maintenance of the engine either. Well, yeah. And, and you can even take this to, did the dealership use heavy chemicals on the interior? If you go in that interior and you're like, man, what the hell is that smell? Not from it being a bad smoky smell, but like they're covering something up. Huge red flag, right? Huge red flag that something was going on in this vehicle. Now, obviously we're talking more used in that position than we are, new vehicles. But if I smell heavy chemical on a used vehicle, I go, we got a problem. Something went on here. This car wasn't cared for. It's now got a lot of wear and tear on it. Again, for the last two or three years, you didn't have a choice. You had to take whatever the, the dealership had, because if you needed a car, you didn't have a bunch to choose from. You're probably finding that a little different. I know you guys looked about a year ago. It's a much different tone today around dealerships there's some play here. They got some more vehicles. They see the interest rate going up. They see the sales not flying out the door, especially in Tulsa where you get a winter time. I'm sure that it's been slower than they wanted it to be because remember the last three years has warped their brain into thinking they're God's gift to cars. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, I know that I'm getting calls. Hey, we got this on our lot. Hey, you were interested two years ago. Hey, it's like, you know, all that stuff's gone up. I think all you can do is have a sound procedure of checking cars out, but you also got to realize there's going to be a personal responsibility piece here, which is the minute you drive it off the lot, you're personally responsible and stop thinking that the dealership's magically going to step in and fix something. They may, it does happen, but the rarity of that is, I would say the, that's the majority, right? The rarity is the majority in this, in this instance, dealerships new or used are not going to step up and you are going to miss some things on inspection. You are going to have some things you wish you would have caught because remember you're not perfect. Nobody's going to catch every little thing unless you have two or three hours with the car, which I'm certain you didn't want to sit there with your wife for three hours longer. Uh, so yeah, longer is the, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the, the real issue is now is where do you draw the line? And for detailers like myself, I'll take a lot of risk on cars because I know I can fix probably 99% of what I, what I find. If I was a general person, I'd feel a little differently. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's, let's have this little talk then for a second about whether or not I'm a detailer or I'm a general person, right? You can look at it from both sides. Things as a professional that I might should be educating others in my area, right? As as you and I talk about most detailers, especially those inside of Hyperclean, and even more especially those that are in distribution, should be developing themselves as the specialist in their area for car care. So 
whether or not this is you, the specialist taking notes on things that you should be talking about, or you, the car owner that goes, all right, yeah, I, I need to figure out some things to look at. I've, I've, I've had some of those oh shit moments. I've had some problems. Let's, let's dive through that for a second, because you're, you're right, man. As we said earlier, I found myself in a situation and what's the recourse? You know, is there a recourse for something that, that I did not see when I left the lot and what can a dealership come back and, and fix, right? Like the, the thing that they kept saying when we're sitting in that uh, hot box, right. And we'll get into that in a minute is peace of mind. You know, this will be for a, a peace of mind. So for our peace of mind, okay, what, what should we do? We should immediately take the car and go to someone who has a professional eye that can see the things that maybe have an yeah. issue. And also they can see how I should be caring for it yep. because that is also our personal responsibility. Yeah, we we've we've kind of talked about this. I don't think it's really hard to figure out, quote unquote, what people who, you know, supposedly love this industry should be doing with all the money they've been given, which is just go educate the consumer about going to a detailer. Buying your car and driving it directly to a detailer is a great way to start your ownership. I don't care if it's a, a used car, I don't care if it's a new car, I don't care if it's a collectible, it's not a collectible. Just go to a detailer. Get your car off on the right foot. Now, most of the people listening to this are like, well, no kidding. That's what we say all the time. I would venture to say that probably 95 to 96 to 98% of people don't know this. Well, and I would say 95 to 96% of the people that say they do talk about it. When have you last seen a social media post educating people on what to do when they get a brand new vehicle? I don't ever see it. Yeah, because what it what people may think is education is bitching yeah let me tell you how bad the dealership is all right. well i mean in all fairness marty you left your house this weekend you went down to a to a place and you bought a piece of machinery that can run 250,000 miles pretty easily what exactly did they not do right i mean that's unbelievable that you can do that in the city of tulsa or vegas or many areas, every area in the country. So when you understand and educate people what a dealership is, is a distribution arm for a brand, they're not in car care. They're not, to me, they're not in engine care, okay? They're not in any of those things. They're in the distribution of the vehicle. And so like you said, if you, if you take this and you just visualize a customer saying, hey, look, man, We've done an inspection. I need to get this into my shop. I need to get this, get in your garage. If I'm a mobile guy, I need to give this thing some love to prep it, to get it on the right foot for your ownership. I think people would be surprised how many men and women have never heard that before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, ever in their life. Ever. Yeah. Agreed. Because that was the first thing that we started thinking about, but we're in the industry. We, we value and this is the other part, right? Like, is it because we value the car? I don't know. That seems strange to say because people buy really expensive cars. And you're saying they don't value them. Then people buy very inexpensive cars and they don't value them. So yeah. this is sort of that next leg of that conversation. Then why don't people do it? Is it because of ignorance or they don't care? I, I think you can say both. I mean, look, I, I'll share a Bronco story with you. I get a call from a dealership. They got a pissed off client because for those that have never driven a flat windshield vehicle, G-Wagon, Wrangler, Bronco, a lot of Bronco owners, this is their first roll with a flat windshield. Well, out here, that means a lot of cracked windshields. Phoenix, even worse. You know, uh, Denver, even worse, right? So you look at it and you go, Okay, why are you guys calling me? Well, we got this customer. He's on his third windshield in three months. We know you put windshield film on. I happen to know the owner of the Bronco loosely. I said, yeah, give him my number. We'll give him a price. We'll get it in here. It'll be solved. Here's a, an instance where before the phone call, he was ignorant. After the phone call, he was, I don't give a shit. That's why I say they're both. So he calls me. 
I said, Hey man, yeah, look, we got this windshield film. It'll solve your problem. No big issue. Yeah. I need a car for about four hours. All good. Give him the price. He goes, Oh, I'm not paying. I'll just have safe flight continue to come out. I go, you called the dealership three months into ownership because of cracked windshields. And now when you've gotten a solution to the cracked windshield, you're all good. So let me hear, let me tell you something. Your insurance is going to drop you if you keep putting in these windshield things. And guess what we hear about going all around the country, especially Broncos, Wranglers, those types of cars. Hey, it's real easy to get dropped by your insurance now because those windshields are no longer affordable. They're no longer affordable because of all the technology and whatever. So here's the interesting thing. You asked if it's ignorance or if it's I don't care. And, and the vast majority of people fall under ignorance. But there's a huge number of people that you've educated yourself and they've just gone, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right. So it is both. Yeah. I, and I think, I think if I'm going to say the answer, I'm going to go heavy on the uh, don't care part. I think there's plenty of people that just don't care about all the stuff that we as detailers care about. They just want it shiny. They just want it to go down the road. They just want to get to A to B. I okay, think there's so, so let many me interrupt of those people you. Let me ask you way. this question. Yeah. So when you say you don't care, do you think the average person wants their car shiny and clean? I think they just want it shiny. Yeah. Seriously. Not even clean. Yeah. I just I, think. I, I see way more dirty vehicles driving around. So what I see very few that are even cared for at all, just to the shiny point of view and vacuumed. Right. So is that even true? Good point. Good point. So they're, they're don't care means that it's even dirty. So, and the people that do care, they just want it to be shiny. Like, yeah, so I, I think I, that's my point. Like the people that I've always met that they're, they're really right. Like they care about their cars. Yep. I just want, they just go, yeah, it looks shiny. They yeah, just love just, that word. Shiny. Yeah. You know? So shiny. the reason I say this is I had a buddy that tell me this, he sold uh security alarms door to door. Great at it. I was talking to him about, we were talking, he, he keeps like one of the cleanest cars I know. Okay. And we were talking about this and that. And he goes, dude, here's what you don't want to, here's what nobody will tell you. He goes, we'd have to walk into some basements because it was in the Midwest at the time. He goes, I'd have to walk into people's house. He goes, the vast majority of people live in filth. They don't care if their car is clean or not. He told me stories about there are people that will take their garbage out of the garbage can and then set it on the ground. And there'll be like 10 bags in their kitchen. And he's like, I'm not talking about in the hood. He goes there. You just don't realize how many people don't live clean. He's like, so they're not going to get their car cleaned. He goes, because they leave their house. There is no clean. There's no clean in where they exist. Their, their most clean is probably the office that they went to that their company has cleaned, you know, but even their area is probably dirty. And I found that fascinating because it's like, yeah, it's kind of what you see on the road. If I walked by a hundred, just normal cars in an office park, how many of those do you forget to detailing standards? How many of those do you think are just clean? Yeah. 30%. No, I, I would say 10% or less. You would say 30%? Dude, it's Tulsa. We're much cleaner than you guys out there in Vegas. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, no, I, I don't know, man. I, I think this is what nobody wants to hear. We're talking about the dealership thing. The vast majority of people drive around cars and don't take any personal responsibility for them, right? So we can say till we're blue in the face, this is what you should do. It's sort of like everybody knows what a healthy meal is. If you, if you polled 100 adults, you'd be like, hey, tell me what a healthy plate looks like. They'd be like, oh, some chicken, some broccoli, some this. Why is everybody so overweight, right? So it's the same thing in cars. Like, and there's a, there's a different layer to cars, especially with men that none of us want to say out loud, which is, they all know it. Oh yeah, man. I, I used to detail or yeah, man, I used to <laughs> wrench on my car or, and we've never had a less educated population on cars than today. And it'll be less educated five years from now and 10 years from now, because the vast majority of people don't work on their own cars the way they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. So the craziest thing is it's ignorance. It's, it's, I don't care, but it's also, I know better than you. 
this really doesn't matter. And I don't really need to have this done. It's like, well, you're the one driving a filthy vehicle, not me. So do you know better? And that's where I think you get into a weird spot. And that, you know, look, you found out at the dealership, you can check over a car and you can still have to go home and do things to your car. And that's the way it should be viewed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the ignorance is ignorance bliss. I don't know. You know, uh, the thing about being blissful maybe is this peace of mind that they kept talking about, which is, which is interesting. And we'll get on to the next little topic, but I, I'm curious because uh, we, we got put in that hot box. I, uh, in the past, have sold products in the hot box. It's a great way of making money, right? The hot box is after you agree on a vehicle, you go into the finance department. Right, they call that the hot box because that's when the real closes and all the the extra money that the dealership gets to make. Have you found? Is there a recommendation? You know, system. What do you do when it comes to the, all the different financing options? <laughs> we we and and then uh, the reason why I ask is there's plenty of you know inside of the detail world there's there's paint protection right which yeah. goes on through the finance department. We decline that. We let them know that we'll get it handled ourselves. Um, the, the next ones are, you know, extended warranties. There's window coverage. There's wheel coverage. There's dent coverage. There's yep. there's all kinds of different things that you can add on. We ended up going with just gap, right? Yep. Just to be able to cover, since it's a new car, just be able to cover that area in between in case it gets totaled, it yep. gets stolen or something to where the value of the vehicle versus the value of the insurance, it gets covered. We went ahead and denied the extended coverage of all the warranty stuff, <laughs> Yeah, that's a but good it call. was on there, right? At, at one oh, yeah. point, my wife did you goes, get, did you get the, did you get the iPad or did you get the big sheet? No, this place they're, they both it's they, they, I mean, it was computer to the pad, to the paper that was just yeah. on a, uh, yeah. a laminated. Do they still, do they still have the glass up? Uh, they did. No, this place didn't have the glass up. Yeah. So, you know, the menu is basically what you're talking about. There's a menu that these finance guys will go through. And it was when I was selling it, I had to get trained and I could go get a job at the dealership because I'm trained to go through the financial menu. So, you know, it's a great way. And my wife at one point was like, yeah, I'm in. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Hold on. Like, well, they, they, look, they don't build those big buildings because they don't make money. I mean, right. uh, you know, this this is kind of the casino thing, right? They, they, they keep the lights on pretty, pretty well. I have a simple solution. I tell clients that ask for advice. This is how we deal with it. If we handle with power of attorney purchasing the vehicle. Hey, man, there's a lot of dealerships that mandate the finance manager goes through all this stuff. There's some that you can just look at them and say, hey, man. We're not buying any of that. Get us to the, to, to the deal. If, if I brought a check to buy it for a customer or if they're financing it, give us, we're not buying anything. Gap insurance is a good thing to have, but usually if you have it on your, on your insurance policy, you don't need to buy it from the dealership. You can get gap insurance from State Farm or Geico or, you know, Chubb or whoever it is you're doing business with. So, that is something to look in. If you buy enough vehicles, you can have that coverage automatically kick in on every new vehicle that you purchase, and then it'll fall off when it makes sense. But you can buy it at the dealership. It's just, they're they're putting it through the same companies anyway, right? So you're not going to get screwed by you know the dealership. It could be a few bucks more expensive. You're obviously rolling it into financing at some point, that kind of thing. The only thing I ever tell people is never tell them what you want your payment to be. Because then guess what they do? Oh, yeah, we can make that work. And then they just put in all this stuff to get to your payment. And you might have paid less if you just said, give me your lowest price on the car. Okay. From there, then you'll get your payment amount. And I there's a great tip about your payment. And, it, you know, with interest rates, this could be off. Hey, interest rate, take, we were 539. How's that possible? Man, you're look at you paying your bills. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, that's that's why. Yeah, that's like. why. Yeah, no, I know. So that's same same with us. I mean, it's if you pay your bills, you get good credit. It's magical. So here's the craziest thing, easiest way to think about what your monthly payment's going to be, so you don't have to ask this idiot in front of you, so he screws you out of some money. 
let's say your car is $20,000. Take the first three numbers and double it. That's about your payment. So be $400. If you're five or 600 credit, not very good credit, you can add 50, 100 bucks to that monthly, if not a little more. And all of a sudden, your $20,000 car will run you about 500 bucks. So if you got good credit, you'll be around that $400. And so Again, you can do a 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, and so on. If I buy a $50,000 car, I don't put anything down and I'm financing 50,000. I could be looking at somewhere around, you know, $1,000 a month. Okay. Not saying that's what's going to happen, but it's a good rule of thumb. So you don't have to say to somebody, Hey, I want my payment to be $476 a month because that's what we can afford. And he's like, Terrific. Sign here. And magically how they get you right around that payment when you tell them the payment. And so it's a real disadvantage to go in there and talk payment instead of just talking to give, get the best price on the vehicle. Cool. All right. So when I picked out my Jeep, right, there was a couple of things that I went through in a list. When you pick out a car, there's certain things you're looking for, right? Everybody's got certain things that they want in a vehicle. Specifically me, when I was looking for a Jeep, I wanted stick shift, number one, right? Number two was I had to be two more than Nick. So I had to have four doors. Oh, yeah, right? you had to. Well, I had to have four doors. So first, He's like, is this for your wife? <laughs> <laughs> first was stick, second was doors, and third was I did not want those giant plastic moldings all over my jeep hey. because the one way to know that if you've got an older jeep is look at those plastics oh yeah plastics just get horrible and so i went with the sahara edition because they're the only ones that had the painted everything yeah. around it so i only have a little bit of plastic parts and that's why i think my jeep looks better than a lot of other jeeps of the same air is because I just don't have a lot of plastic. All right. Well, let's get into plastic then. Plastic restoration. Because how do I, let's start with first, how do I know the difference between restoration and just putting something on my plastic? I mean, how yeah. do I know if I need to restore plastic? Yeah, it's getting pretty confusing, right? Because you're seeing all these ads on Facebook and Instagram and, and somebody's wiping something off and you know, pulling a tape line and, you know, wow, it's magically brought back to life. Here's kind of, you start to see that gray, you start to see black trim with that grayish color, you know, even getting to the chalky stage. At this point, you're talking about a re-dye situation. You need to dye that plastic again, because what's happened is everything is is out of that plastic. It, the color is gone. You well, need what to happens? restore How it. How does it do that? Why, why, why does the color go away? It's oxidation. But what happened? Yeah. I mean, why does it go black to gray? What do you? Yeah, you need to you need to look at it kind of like paint, right? I mean, when you look at your car paint and, and you say, "Oh my God, my paint's in such bad shape," and you've kind of seen that chalkiness, what you've seen is the sun just basically UV damaged that plastic or your paint. And so, in in a plastic situation, what you're having is you have a a, a dyed system that the dye has now been damaged, right? The, 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 I forget the actual term, but the, uh, I want to say it's called tannins. Um, and I, I kind of forget off the top of my head. I apologize, everybody. What happens is you've now gone past the point of being able to protect it. All the properties are out of the trim. Okay. You now have completely sun. Think about restoring headlights, the same thing, car paint, faded trim faded same thing you got the same base problem why can't i buff trim if i can buff headlights and paint well why can't i just buff it off you because again you have a dyed system right and, and there's no once it's damaged and dyed you can't bring it back with a polishing system even if you look at a headlight a headlight is a in, a, in an acrylic type of finish that's why you can sand that acrylic down to a point where you get past all the, the UV damage and bring back all of the good stuff, right? But then you've also taken away all the protective qualities, which is why you have to clear coat 
or ceramic coat over that that headlight again. I would suggest always clear coating if you've done that sort of restoration work on a headlight. Paint, acrylic, you know, those types of things are not the same as plastic dyed trim. Okay. It's just not the same. And so now you're in a re-dye and think of it as repainting. You know, you can take your car paint system to a point where it's going to need a repaint. You and I can't save it as a detailer. When my trim gets to a certain point, it needs a repaint. The only good thing is I can repaint trim with a sponge and some dye. I can't do that on my, on my car's hood. Okay. So you mentioned some stuff that we might've seen these like sham wow style commercials of, Hey, I'm going out to the junkyard. Look, look at me. I'm yeah, going to yeah. throw this on. Yeah. And, wow. Magic. It turns black yeah. versus a dye that's going to take a little bit more time. Somebody's going to have to be a little bit more careful with it. I listen, those, those sham wows look really great, <laughs> but yeah. we've got a permanent versus semi-permanent or, you know, a couple of weeks style. Yeah. The majority of the semi-permanent, these sham wow styles of where you see these big before and afters, most of those are going to contain silicone and they're going to contain some type of dye, right? It's going to be a mixture of the mm -hmm. two. Then you'll have the other, which will be more of the permanent style, which does take a little bit more uh, work in a sense, a little bit more detail-esque. You're going to have to spend a little bit more time. It's not quite as easy to just wipe and wow. And those are going to less on the silicone, if not completely 100% zero silicone and just die. Now, the reason for the silicone part, which I've understood you might have a little bit more information on, is silicone is really a big enhancer of the oxidation inside of plastics. It really does increase the magnitude of the sun's effects and the UV effects on plastics different than other materials like we put silicone on paint, we put silicone on rubber, we put silicone on different things. But when it goes onto plastic, it really emphasizes and magnitudes the amount of, uh, well, sun UV damage that happens. So we, first of all, we got a semi-permanent to a permanent. When do I ever know yeah. which one to go to? Yeah. I mean, so if I have horrible uv damage on a piece of plastic and i see that gray or white whitish type of color i'm beyond silicone or ceramic coating products i am to restoration territory but we've all seen again you pointed to the jeep or you can point to the new bronco hey it's been six eight twelve months the car hasn't been really cared for but the plastics aren't degraded they're degrading they're in some form. I can still see they're black, but they don't look as fresh as the day as I got them. That may be where you take a product like Uno and you go, hey, I can all in one this thing. I can protect it, bring back a little of, you know, we don't say gloss, but you know what I mean? Like a little bit of that sheen to the trim where it just looks healthy. And, and that is something you can do if the plastic isn't too far gone. I have never been a fan of any type of dressing on trim. I I just personally never liked how it looked. I never thought I got that great of a, and especially when good express spray waxes came out, I could load up plastics, get them to look really good, give them some protective qualities. I know it wasn't the best solution, but I never thought dressing type stuff was the best solution either. So in today's world, I'm not sure I see a bunch of reason to put dressing on uh, trim at all because I can take a ceramic to to a new plastic or, you know, one that just is a few months or a few months or a year old and not in bad shape, or I got to go to a redye situation because the plastic's in such bad shape. I really don't see where the silicone stuff plays today as heavily as, as it used to. And you don't think, I mean, if I'm going to redye, is this is a back to a detailer. I mean, is this a detail only type experience or is that a way to understand that if, if I'm really going to restore uh, plastic, that it, it probably should go to a detailer. Well, look, we have some really, really meticulous uh, 
you know, DIYers out there in the world now. If you're one of those, you can figure out trim dye. You know, one thing you can use trim dye on, you know how, and I used to do this a lot, you know, especially on older type of, of um, windshield wipers. If they had that hard plastic that faded, you can even trim dye that. And all of a sudden it brings back to life that cowl area and all that kind of stuff. It's a spot most people don't think about that looks really ugly on your car. And so I would say if you're meticulous and you've at least laid like Uno or Dose on a car before, you can figure out trim restoration. It isn't rocket science. It's just something you need to pay attention to, right? You need to do, and again, we would tell this to somebody that never used a ceramic coating, work in a really small section of your bumper to get a feel for how the thing works. The other thing is you got to let this thing set up. There's also a, a, I've kind of not loved all the stuff around trim restoration because you really can't restore the trim and then go back to acting what, like what got the car there in the first place. So my trim restoration process would be this find a trim die you like. There's plenty of reputable ones out there, more than one of them. Restore the trim, let it sit overnight, let it sit. 12 hours, let it sit four hours, let it sit one hour, however much time you have with the car, go back, buff any excess that hasn't soaked into the trim, get it flat, get it situated. And then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to come back with Uno, Dose, Tray, and I'm going to ceramic coat over that restored trim. That's the part oftentimes I see in trim restoration where people are like, oh, now you can take this white trim, make it black again with this wipe. I, I don't know the technology there, but when you have to re-dye trim and then ceramic coat it, I'm, I'm going to venture to say mine's actually going to last. And I've done this on a lot of older BMWs, a lot of older Fords, a lot of older Chevys. You do that process, honestly, and the car's cared for, your trim will never look bad again. Yeah, good point. All right. Well, Nick? Great episode. A lot of great information, man. See you next week. All right, bro. See you. Hey, community. I bet you as you heard about the oh shit moments, right? And some of the things that happens when you grab a car and grab a new car or anything around that purchase and things that could go on. Hey, go over to the HyperClean Specialist Group. Come on, let's have some continuing fun discussions about this. So HyperClean Specialist on Facebook. Leave us your thoughts and talks about those oh shit moments that happened to you when you've grabbed a car. <laughs> hey, this is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.